run up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of a defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes magnificently on the outside. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel, and I'm joined, as ever, by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Hello, mate. <laughs> Didn't know whether to, to come in there. Cute to come in. Yep. How long were you doing this for? <laughs> um, a jubilant good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Another victory, another Christmas present delivered to us by the Bath players. Absolutely, coaches. yeah. Starting to build a little bit of momentum, um, you know, as was always going to be so crucial in this block of fixtures. We were um, actually driving... Uh, uh, up north um, uh, uh, when the game was on so uh, sort of were very very nervous listening um, on the radio and weren't able to to watch the game so uh, some some very very much some her bitten fingernails um, from me and uh, but yeah great to show the resolve that we've been missing in 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 you know recent seasons really to to cling on ultimately come back um, and, and close off a deficit to win the game. Yeah, it's bad enough watching Bath on the telly at times, but watching on the radio when you don't really know what's going on, aren't always at times sure where they are in the pitch or quite what exactly is going on is even harder. So yeah, not an experience I'm, I'm looking forward to reliving again t- anytime soon. No, not at all. But I tell you, I don't know if, if anyone else, any other Bath fans out there sort of do the same, but I do enjoy watching um, you know, the full game back when I already know uh, the Bath result and I can uh, I can just relax and know that ultimately I don't have to go through through the pain because I know we, we get the win and uh, yeah, we watched back the full game mm. uh, uh, yesterday. And I, you know, I, I was really encouraged as, as we'll come on to by, by a lot of what I saw actually. I think it was, you know, although we didn't, translate all the opportunities we had into points I think it was up there with with some of the most promising rugby at least that we've seen from Bath this season Jay yeah we're going to come into that later on in the podcast as you say Tom also to come we're going to have a little look at the premiership as a whole Um, we're quite keen to do that now given Bath's position currently uh, and then look ahead as we always do to the upcoming game for the blue black and white which on this occasion is the big derby at King's home against Gloucester but let's get into this sale victory in depth Tom Um, and just before we do a little word on the atmosphere at the rack we weren't there as you mentioned but as you say we watched it back together yesterday and it sounded like a a fantastic atmosphere at the rack a sellout uh, as it often is for this Christmas game and and, and the fans really made themselves uh, heard I think it's been brilliant I think there's there's certainly been a galvanizing effect uh, you know that's come out of our, our form at home Mm. We've we've been very strong at home, and and the the wreck really is becoming a bit of a a bit of a fortress, uh, you know, a waterlogged and muddy uh, fortress most of the time, um, <laughs> as was the case again really um, on Saturday. But I do think that people are starting to get behind the team. Um, you know, obviously you do hear about the sort of minority, I think, now of people who um, are still very, very pessimistic in their outlook on on the players and the and and the coaching staff. But I think we're starting to show. You know some of the talent we have in the squad is starting to come to the fore, and there were some really strong performances 
um, on an individual basis. But I think what was more encouraging was that we're starting to come together as a team. We're starting to see you know, more attacking shape. Mm. We're starting to show more endeavour in attack um, and matching that up with um, you know, what's been a very, very strong forward pack all season. So I think people are starting to realise that. People are starting to get behind the team. And yeah, that's the loudest I've, I've, I've heard the wreck in, in, in quite a long time, actually. Yeah, particularly in that second half, I think when, when it was needed, uh, it, when it became a really close game at the end of the second half, uh, I think the, the the fans certainly made themselves heard, as we're going to come on to. But let's look at the first half first, as we like to do. Um, and a, quite an even contest, I felt like, in the first 15 minutes. Um, no rugby played in either 22 in those first eight minutes. Bath certainly with more possession, um, but I'd say uh, neither team really took took authority on the game in that first period. Yeah, it was very much a, a feeling out process. I thought mm. uh, you know, the scrum in particular, which actually was you know a very important part of the game uh, for both sides, really was very very even, a very very good contest. I think Bath showed slightly more. Uh, Endeavour, as I say, in attack, the offloading game in particular in that first 20 or 30 minutes uh, led to a few a few line breaks. Um, Falatao went through and uh, showed um, his skill and his class, as we know he, he does. Um, Watson as well, um, who, who looked electric all game, coming off his wing again. And, and Tom Dunn, who I thought his work rate throughout the game was, was quite spectacular. He had a, he had a brilliant game. Um, he was, uh, you know... Uh, gee, we had him on, um, as, uh, interviewed uh, uh, sort of Tom Dunn, or he spoke with us on the podcast last season. He said one of the things he'd been told from the England coaches was that he needed to work on his carrying game. He needed to work on winning the collisions, mm. getting his hands free and offloading the ball. And I think we're starting to see him do that much, much more. So, um, you know, fingers crossed, Eddie Jones, etc., are, are sort of having a look at that. And uh, we might see him joining Will Stewart in the, in the training <laughs> squad next year, Jake. Yeah, I do think, actually, I don't know if you've got the, the stats to hand, Tom, but I do think Tom Dunn had an extremely strong game in the carry. He made one break, as you say, that I can I can, I can recall. And he often is, is the top tackler. His lineouts are often almost perfect. But as you say, that carrying game, if he can bring that to his game, he will really um, become sort of the perfect all-round hooker. Yeah, well, your instincts serve you well. Mm, top, bath, you. Uh, top bath carrier, uh, made, made 11 carries. Um, and as ever, right at the top of the, the, the tackling charts as well. So 14 tackles uh, he put in and was, was matched by Elliot Stook and only beaten by, uh, by Jamie Roberts, who actually put in 18 tackles. So, yeah, you know, he, he has a quite incredible, incredible workout, uh, work rate. Sorry. And the other thing that was, that was really strong, I thought, throughout the game was the line-up. We really mm. dominated that area of the game, both stealing the ball um, you know, and also being very, very strong on, on our own ball. So um, another cracking game for, for, for Tom Dunn. Um, and, and looking at the wider squad, you know, we are very strong. Jack Walker's been good this season so far. He continues to, to come on and show real promise. And Ross Batty, who was commentating uh, yeah. for the BBC on the game, uh, uh, that, that we were that we were listening to, not the most um, impartial commentary <laughs> I've, I've ever heard, but I for one absolutely loved it uh, from him. He's returned uh, from you know a, a brief injury layoff to to score a brace of tries for Bath United in in yet another win uh, for, for 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 the United team and and you know and the wider squad. Yeah, a uh, good weekend for Bath and a guy as well. I think that was important in this first half with his kicking in particular, and it's a guy that probably hasn't got enough credit from, from us and from Bath fans more generally, and that's Reese Priestland. You know, I thought it was interesting to note that he's actually started all six of our Premiership mm. games so far this uh, uh, 
seven now, isn't it? All seven of our Premiership games so far this season. And it does feel as though there's a little bit more chopping and changing, but I guess that's been... It feels like that because of the, the, the Champions Cup where Burns has, has started. So that consistency at 10 is actually something that, that they are looking to do, something which we've been keen to do. And although he's, he's, he's not going to be a, a massive running threat to Priestland, his kicking at the moment is absolutely fantastic, both... At, at goal, he's extremely consistent at goal, nailing those two penalties and the key one in the second half. But also out of hand, we mentioned his, his exits and how we're not using the box kicking, the, the at times inconsistent box kicking of Will Chudley. Instead, we're, we're opting to take it deeper. And Preeson's kicking out of hand again in that first half and in the second half was absolutely fantastic. The noise it makes when Preeson strikes it, 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 it's just fantastic. So um, he's really in the groove uh, with, with, with kicking. I yeah, think. And, and, you know, the, the point you made there, the fact that for those exits, for those, for those clearance kicks, which, you know, I think have been uh, one of the main turning points in, in the last couple of weeks, we've exited a lot better. And, you know, when you're not box kicking and you're not sort of going for that, that sort of caterpillar ruck that, that frustrates so many rugby fans, you know, across, uh, across the country... You are giving up sort of 10, 15 metres of field position there by passing back to, to the fly half. But as you say, Priestland is striking it so well that um, it, it's just so worthwhile for, for us to do this. It, yeah, he's it, 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 been quite brilliant, actually, the last mm. the last couple of games. And I've um, you know, been been calling for, for Freddie Burns to, to get a chance in that 10 shirt after, you know, I, I don't think our attack started very well. I think we, we both agree on that. But I think Priestland at the moment um, is very much justifying his... Uh, his place and you know that axis of Priestland and, and Roberts is starting to starting to look a little bit more dangerous I think particularly given we you know we have got those running threats out wide now. Mm, so Mrs Priestland we hope you are still listening and at, at last at long last some praise for your son on the <laughs> podcast. I do think we grew into the game slightly in the second half in the second half of that first half. You mentioned the Tom Dunn break I think on 20 minutes Anthony Watson break on 18 minutes. Um, some fantastic defence in the middle of the, the around the 35-minute mark, which led to a low turnover after Sale had turned down points and gone for the corner. So I do think we were the, the strongest side going into uh, the, the, the half-time interval. And I mentioned low there, but I also think a guy that was, was key in that was, was, was um, McNally. And I think it was, I think Hooper even mentioned that it was his best game in a Bath shirt. Yeah. He's been consistent, I would say, so far without tearing up any trees. He's been crucial as well because with, that, with Charlie Ewell's injured and a reluctance to play the younger guys, McNally's proved pivotal in our early season. I thought he was fantastic. An early carry on 13 minutes, a line-out steal on 12 minutes. Um, and I really liked, after that low turnover I mentioned on 36 minutes, the double fist pump turned to the crowd yeah, yeah, yeah. to G the already um, quite G'd up crowd. I, I really enjoyed that. So a word on McNally there. Yeah, I, th I think he's been, he's been really good, actually. He's mm. quietly, I think, really under the radar, gone about his work quite effectively. I think we initially questioned why he was consistently starting in that 15, ahead of Elliot Stuke and, and Charlie Yules when when he was available but I think now we're starting to see why he had that sort of faith trusted in him mm. he was very very popular at, at London Irish mm. they rated him highly he was club captain there for for a couple of seasons before he came came across the bath this season and you can you can sort of see why you know he's a very very big man 
Um, he carries very strongly. Um, he just looks sort of dense and, and sort of just big and effective in the carry and in, in defence. But then also he's very, you know, he's a very good liner operator. Uh, as you say, mm. a couple of a couple of steals. Um, I think he, um, you know, with his experience, it looks like he's sort of involved in sort of calling the the line out as well. So obviously his experience there is is has been crucial as well. So yeah, he's he's. You know he's really growing into the shirt and and clearly enjoying his 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 you know his, his time at the club so far. Given um, the reaction you mentioned, so mm. sort of long may it continue, really. Yeah, and I think when we went to to London Irish to watch the game, we we did strike up a conversation with some London Irish fans around us, and they mentioned you know of the plethora of of players that have made the journey from London Irish to Bath and the wreck. McNally's one that really stung with them because he's a guy they really wanted to keep moving back up to the Premiership, a guy which I think they valued the, his leadership um, and, and, and his experience. And, and, and I think finally starting to grow into to that Bath shirt and become more recognised. There was a bit of buzz on Twitter, certainly afterwards, mm. about his performance. And I think those understated performances are, slightly, are starting to be recognised slightly more. So, yeah, a really good game from McNally, particularly in that first half, I felt. In the first half, Tom, watching the game with you, you were slightly more encouraged with our attack. Uh, you know, highlighting a couple of set moves that, that, that we were operating. Mm. Talk us through your, your thoughts on that in the first half and leading into the second half now. I think there's, we've, we've been bereft of ideas at, at points this season. And, you know, whether that's been conditions, uh, whether that's been personnel, whether it's been coaching, we've, we've discussed that at length. But I think there's a couple of things that we're starting to do um, a lot more frequently, which I think have been effective. Um, and I, which I think are, are really promising. The first thing is, is something I mentioned last week. So it's the little short ball to, um, you know, particularly Will Stewart, Abano, Dunn, um, particularly those three guys, really, at, at off sort of off nine, um, and then sort of a, a little either to take it up and, and carry or just to flick it out the back. Um, and it's it's a move that I mentioned we've seen England use quite prolifically and, and effectively. Um, mm-hmm. And Bath are, are starting to to use that and to trust the handling skills of of those big boys because essentially that just gives you an extra man you suck in a couple of defenders to tackle those those big guys and Priestland and, and the others have sort of space out wide um, and the second thing that's starting to come together um, is the offloading game mm. I think to- having Toby Falatau back mm. gives everyone sort of a, a newfound sort of confidence I think that's how it appeared anyway because he is so so good in that area and I think at times our attack's been been one dimensional so you know it's just about getting uh, you know, getting over that first tackle, getting your hands free um, and offloading and getting in behind the defence. And that is such an effective weapon when used well and when, when used accurately. Um, and, you know, if I was going to have one criticism of that, that first half, I would say that we just weren't able to find that final pass. You know, there was a, a knock-on, uh, you know, a couple of knock-ons into, in, in the 22. We got turned over a couple of times at, at the breakdown. We just weren't able to find that final pass to... To, to allow us to get tries on the board and um, ultimately therefore didn't get didn't get too far ahead of sale even though uh, you know I do think we, we we showed a lot of promise yeah I think I think you're right what I've noticed in in the last few weeks and particularly in in this sale game is there's a lot more moves set moves in and around the breakdown I'm thinking of a couple of times when it's gone to a first receiver and either Chudley's on the loop or we've got a guy like Watson coming in on a short line back on the inside. Sort of a bit of invention around there to tie in the, the defences slower forwards in and around that breakdown. And a guy like Gervin Dempsey, 
coming from Leinster. That that's a sort of move and a sort of structure which which Leinster often employed in that in that sort of mm. glory period for Leinster. I'm thinking, you know, particularly of guys like Rob Carney, sort of storming through uh, from short balls like ta- from guys like Tad Furlong, just in and around that that ruck. So if that's mm. something that that Dempsey's brought with him and looking to implement, then that's really promising. And having guys like Falatau, who, as you say, are so adept with ball in hand. You know, it, it, it is fantastic, and that sort of brings a new dimension to our game. Well, it's the old Johnny Sexton uh, wraparound, and yeah. um, he does it so often and, and so effectively, and almost sometimes, you know, particularly now he's in the latter years of his career, it looks like he's doing it in, in slow motion, but um, he always seems to, to be able to get the ball to the line um, and, and put someone through a gap or, or create an overlap. So, you know, Dempsey would have been you know, heavily involved, as you say, in that Leinster attacking play that's been, uh, you know, that's seen them dominate um, Pro 14 and. Uh, European competition and and hopefully you know he's he's obviously a very knowledgeable guy and a, a very experienced guy so hopefully we're starting to see that playbook you know come to the forge and the only other point I'll, I'll make and before I well, throw it back to you go on yeah well I, ju- I would just say before this sort of becomes a bit of a loving on our attack and you say there were a lot of errors which which meant that we mm. weren't quite yeah, yeah. A, as as prolific as as maybe we could have been nine handling errors by the 48 minute mark but we did only score 16 points again on on yep. Saturday and it is a win but there are still huge improvements which need to be made in our attack. There are glimpses of promise, but there is no means the the end product there. And, and we need to sort of temper enthusiasm, I yeah, think, sure. because at the end of the day, uh, I reckon a, a really good side would have probably put us away on Saturday. And, and, and when we go to places like King's Home, as we're going to discuss, and the really top sides who mm. score a lot of points, Northampton Saints, I'm thinking mm. of as well, we need to have this attack more accurate, more prolific. And at the end of the day, scoring more points, because at the moment, it's not good enough. I agree with you, but I, you know, all I want to see is progress, really. Mm. Um, and we're seeing signs. If you watch side by side, you know that game against some of the earlier uh, games of the season, particularly in the Champions Cup, where, as we've said, we were we were very very poor. I think you'd you'd essentially be you know think you're watching a different side. And I think that is the other thing. You know, we we've spoken so many times about injuries and our top guys not being available for selection. Having Jonathan Joseph and and Anthony Watson back is absolutely massive for. For, for the side, you know, Watson has been really sharp, really electric, looks strong, um, looks keen to play and come off his wing and get his hands on the ball. Um, but Jonathan Joseph, for me, has been one of the key guys to come back. He's such a steady hand in that defensive channel in, in the 13 shirt. Um, but also, when he, when, he, when he wants to be, he's just so dangerous. He's so electric and just can create opportunities out, out of nothing. You know, we spoke about the three offloads in about... Um, as many seconds um, uh, for that uh, for that try uh, that team try against London Irish uh, last week. He is he is so key, and when he's fit and firing, I think it just it just makes a, a massive difference. Well, I think that's nicely transitioned on Tom to, to sort of the key moment in the game, as it turned out, uh, and that's moving into the second half, and and of course Bath try, and as you say, Jonathan Joseph pivotal ended up scoring himself on this occasion. It came from from a, a kick and chase by by Tom Homer. Another fantastic, it was just class again, wasn't yeah, it? another fantastic involvement by Homer, and then JJ two involvements on this time. Only two involvements for this try needed for him to crash over a switch with Priestland to uh, to, to, to to lead him um, in 
under the, the very wet-looking posts at the wreck. And before we come on to, to talk about the incident which ensued from the try, just a word from you on, on that try and the creation of, of both Priest and Joseph and Homer. Yeah, I think uh, it obviously came from, from Tom Homer sort of seeing a, 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 bit of, a bit of space. And we spoke about it when we were, we were watching the game. But the most impressive thing, I think, about Tom Homer at fullback is his decision-making. He knows when to... He knows when to kick. He's a very effective kicker indeed. He knows when to sort of jink across the pitch slightly and just pick, um, you know, a weak outside shoulder or a or a slower forward. And he knows when to when to kick, when to chip over the top. And it was a it was a brilliant decision. Uh, showed great pace again uh, this week to to, to to gather the ball um, and then just finish very effectively. You know, when you watch Bath warm up before the games, you see them. Um, practice time and time and again these sort of opportunities you know three on threes three on twos um, and Preeson's very very experienced um, uh, player and, and, and Joseph as we said is is just electric so those two um, made it look very very easy but it was like you know a nice um, acute switch move as you say to, to send Joseph over the line G it was uh, yeah it almost came from nothing really um, but that's what you want in, in, in with your outside backs guys who can just create tries um, just um, you know um, when they click your fingers just out of nothing. Yeah, so now let, let's talk about the, the, the ensuing incident, uh, an incident which, for, for, for the very little footage that we've seen, people have a lot of very strong opinions on, uh, to paint a picture for people that may not have seen it. So, so from, the, from the, the kick on by, and gather by Homer, Faf the clerk goes in to try and win the ball. Tom Dunn then comes out with a perfectly legal clear out of Faf the clerk at that breakdown. I think the clerk takes... Um, offence at both the clear-out and maybe uh, done holding him down slightly on the ground after the clear-out. It's kind of unclear whether that is the case. And the clerk kind of lashes out a little bit, tries to grab Tom Dunn on a couple of occasions. Obviously a smaller guy, a weaker guy, Tom Dunn sort of struggles to do so. Um, and, and and from that, the kind of shot, the, the camera follows the try and, and an melee ensues in, in the pitch, leading to uh, a no cards, but a bath penalty on the halfway line to restart the game. I understand that we, you know, we haven't really seen much of it because we weren't there, Tom. So, so we've only got the, the the very few camera angles that that are available. What was your take on, on on the incident? Did the referee get the punishment right? Could there have been more punishment, or 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 were Bath slightly lucky to get away with the try still standing? Well, as as you say, the difficulty is that you know we haven't seen the replays. The referee was was following play, as was the as as were the cameras. So, you know, it's it's very difficult to say. I think the last thing we saw. Um, uh, of the event was sort of Fafta Clerk sort of as you say lunge forward at, at Tom Dunn and sort of take him down and sort of a judo style throw I you know from from, on, from what we've seen I don't think you can you can give anything at all to be honest um, we don't know what went on on after but I, I you know Gian I know you, you you agree with me on this I think the Fafta Clerk does get away with murder to be oh, honest he you know he's, 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 he's a very very effective player but he um he, he he stands offside. He, he chats the referee incessantly, which is um, which is which is pretty frustrating to to watch. And um, I think if that was the other way around, and uh, Tom Dunn had, had sort of went for for Faf de Klerk in a in a similar vein, uh, Faf de Klerk would have let the referee uh, know Craig Maxwell Keys know all about it. And I think probably the sanction would have been would have been stronger, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And uh, Faf de Klerk's a, a very good a very good player. Uh, obviously a World Cup winning scrum half pivotal in that World Cup winning performance but God do I not like watching him play when he's playing against Bath because he is just 
you tear your hair out frustrating because, as you say, he just never shuts up, you know, and I, I, I guess that is him. So he would say, well, that's good scrum half play. That's sort of my job is to wind up the, the opposition fans and therefore potentially the opposition. But just let the referee ref the game. And as you say, he stands consistently offside, mm-hmm. consistently complaining. And it is, quite frankly, not very pleasant to, to, to watch him back. And I was glad that we, we ended up on the right side of this victory and, and he sort of got a reputation to clerk I think for for, for being for, for allowing to get away with this and and it was interesting to hear that the, the the wording that the, the TMO used yeah. I think to the the referee Craig Maxwell Keys on the day and 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 I don't know who the TMO was but um I think she said that you know Faf the clerk was pushing the bath player and and it's there, you know, suggesting that she knows the name of, of Faf the Clerk, but she doesn't know the name of the Bath player. And, and does that sort of lead to a, a, a subconscious bias towards, towards Faf the Clerk, a subconscious um, favouritism towards a guy like Faf the Clerk, who we know is a, a, a fantastic player? Would you would you agree with that? Would you? I, I mean, I personally would like to see sort of the anonymization yeah. of all the players. Just yeah. have the num- the number of the player. Uh, you know, I wouldn't mind necessarily if it was the captain of the team, but the clerk's certainly not the captain of Sale, and Tom Dunn's not the captain of Bath, and it should be Sale nine on Bath two, and that should be the end of the story. And there should be no sort of you know, if if the referees and the TMOs are going to start calling players by their first names, which is growing more and more into the yeah. game, they need to know all the players. You know, and I highly doubt. That the, that the referees and the TMOs know all the players one to twenty three every weekend. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's something that's come into the game recently, really. You say, you know, the first the, sort of using the, the the players' first names and also sort of the TMO um, kind of discussing the individual players. And I, I think you're absolutely right. There's there's definitely a, a sort of subconscious, probably association with um, you know a certain player's reputation. I remember watching um, Ellis Genge get a, a yellow card. Um, and I think a lot of it was to do with the fact that the the TMO had used his name, um, and therefore you know the referee kind of associated him with potentially um, uh, you know giving away penalties and and and, and being uh, being Simba before, and that's just simply not fair on on him, um, and and in this case not fair on on Bath and and Tom Dunn, and absolutely outrageous that the the TMO didn't know Bath legend Bath legend <laughs> Tom Dunn. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'd really like to see that go, but I, I don't think it will. You know, the the players, the referees, the the pundits, um, the coaches are all increasingly um, part of this this sort of club. Um, they're all very pally. That you know, you see Wayne Barnes on on the BT Sport team, um, and I think you know, I wouldn't. I'd very much like to see it go back to sort of a few years ago, where everyone knows their roles, everyone's uh, separate, the referees treated with a lot more respect. Um, and, and the referee sort of doesn't, um, you know, uh, doesn't sort of uh, cozy up to, to certain players, and, and and as you say, not even know the names of other players. Yeah, I think that's something that we we both feel quite strongly about. Get in touch with us on Twitter uh, with your thoughts on that, and, and and also if you were at the game, your thoughts on the incident because you would have had a much better view of it than than we did. So really interested to to hear your thoughts and and, and start a discussion on that. But let's move on from it, and 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 I think Sale in actual fact, were potentially galvanised by the, the, the incident and, and the ensuing penalty from the restart, as I mentioned. We saw with Bath when Ali Brew got sent off against Northampton Saints, how that galvanised us, galvanised the crowd. And whilst the crowd weren't galvanised in sales favour on this occasion, I do feel like uh, the sale players potentially were. 
Um, you know, Steve Diamond's a guy that, that, that likes to think the world is against him. And I think the players kind of have that attitude. And when it appears that they are, I think that that works to their effect and led to two uh, really um, nicely worked sale well, tries. Yeah, I, th- I think I think I think you're right. But we we for all everything we did well and all the promise we're showing, this was really back to Bath of old and Bath of last season. This was a terrible few minutes from from a Bath perspective. G, you know, the penalty from the from the from the restart, perfect opportunity to um, you know to drill sale back down into the 22 and and, and you, know, you know potentially put another score on the board and probably put the game out of out of any doubt. Um, Preeson, you know, good touch finder, and then you know, a sequence of events that follows was was really really poor. Tom Dunn um, overthrowing the <clears throat> the line out, um, you know, us winning the ball back or, or, or gaining possession, sort of round about our ten meter line, and then Chris Cook, you know, who just come onto the field fumbling the ball at the ruck. We then conceded um, a scrum penalty or a couple of scrum penalties actually, and you know, f- suddenly we find that Sailor camped down on our line. They, as you say, set up a very very good maul. Um, to, to score the try, um, get the conversion. So, you know, we're still still ahead of the six points ahead of the game. And then exactly the same thing, you know, two more scrums, two more penalties at, at, at scrum time. You know, I think the first one in particular was was slightly harsh, but we don't need to be putting ourselves in in this position. You know, two or three minutes later, Sale have completely eliminated the 13-point the deficit and they, they find themselves one point ahead. And um, at that point, I was convinced, as I know you were, that... Um, that that was that was going to be going to be game over, really. Yeah, I think a thirteen point lead, which we'd worked so hard to, to build, I think throughout that first half with with the penalties and and the shots at goal and then the try, it looked really difficult for Bath to get to thirteen points, and it looked really easy for us to give that away. And I think it's that compounding of errors, a uh, 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 habit which we really got into in a bad way last season, I think, and and under Todd Blackard, I think that was the main criticism I had towards that team, a habit which we're hoping, and I think we are starting to, to, to shake out of our game, but I think you're right, that was that was what led to those tries, just error after error by Bath, letting Sale back, back into the game, and, and, and they started to win the collisions, in fairness to them, and I think they started to be yep. slightly more dominant in the pack, but we allowed them to to, to, to have those opportunities by gifting them field position on a number of occasions through our ill discipline and through our errors. So, yeah, really disappointing. And as you say, they took a 14-13 lead and it looked pretty bad, I'd, I'd say. It looked, you know, it looked like they were going to run away with this game. You know, a line out on our own seven-meter line. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, probably this is about a key moment. Ten, yeah, think. 10 yeah. minutes to go. And, and good old trusted Rob Webber came out to, to compound a couple <laughs> of errors of his own uh, and, and help us out there. Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of things. So Sale started making some some substitutions as as we did. The Sale bench was was very strong, and they brought on some you know some very very experienced um, operators, particularly in the pack. So um, Ross Harris and Jake Cooper Woolley, very good props in their own right, um, and then Ben Curry um, as well. So you know they started winning the collisions. We I think looked slightly tired, you know, having played probably more of the rugby in that in that first half. So uh, yeah, as you say, it looked like. Potentially, a, a third try was on the cards. G with a with a sail line out, um, sort of ten meters out or something, and then a fantastic steal by Elliot Stook mm. in the line out. In what I think, probably looking back, was the was the key moment because I think you know, sail line out player had his had his had the hand had the ball in his hands, and Elliot Stook sort of reached back and just plucked it from his hands. Um, we cleared our lines effectively, um, and that really stopped the the sail momentum on the one hand, 
but also I think had a bit of a galvanizing effect on on Bath and I think the next 15 minutes or or so um, before before the end of the game will be what encourages Stuart Hooper the most because we've seen um, Bath capitulate so many mm. on so many occasions in those sort of positions and we've seen ourselves go into our shell and and just try and shut out the game um, after we we got that penalty and, and got one point ahead so to um, you know to play with the a, a greater level of positivity as we did um, to be more ambitious um, and to be more accurate and, and just show some bottle to be honest was um, was was great to see and uh, yeah Stuart Hooper came down with a couple of minutes to go um, you know that we had a scrum on, on on the ten meter line on our ten meter line right at the end and um, you know the scrum wasn't wasn't our you know the the, the strongest area for us on the day um, Will Stewart uncharacteristically. Um, you know, struggling in that area and giving away four penalties um, during the game, and and that so easily could have um, could have been another one, and, and and AJ McGinty would have would have kicked the points to to win them the game. So I think I was incredibly encouraged by um, just the mental side of being able to to show the resolve to to get back ahead, to put the two tries in in two or three minutes behind us, and to and to close out the game. Um, but 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 also shows some sort of positivity at the same time in yeah. doing so. I think the bottle's the, the key thing. Last season, our season was um, kind of characterised by defeats at the end of games, in close games, Bath not coming on the right side of them. And when we looked back on the season, you know, it was highlighted that if we'd had even one or two of those really close results go our way, we would have potentially even made it into the top four. So I just hope that when we look back on, on this season, come the end of this season, we'll look back on this victory and this moment as a key one, although we perhaps didn't play our best, particularly in that second half, I didn't feel like. We got the win, yeah. and and on a day when when neither team played their best, I would say the team that comes out on top feels a whole bloody lot better than the team that loses, and it breathes a bit more confidence to the team. So hopefully we can look back on this win as, as a pivotal moment. And I think that scrum penalty we won on seventy seven minutes, Christian Judge really stood up and won that penalty. Impressive stuff from him, and 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 as you say, a key moment. And it's just nice to show a bit of bottle and to feel a bit good about uh, feel good about the end of a game for once. Yeah, and after those losses last season in those very close series of, of losses when, as you say, we sort of threw the game where we saw us slip down the table and ultimately, you know, our season slip away with it. Um, and you're seeing the reverse of that really this season. You know, we were in ninth place in the Premiership until um, two games ago and people talking about us in the same breath um, as Wasps and, and Leicester, you know, great clubs that are ultimately down the pan, as I say, supporters calling for, for Stuart Hooper, um, uh, role, calling Stuart Hooper's role into into question, and it just shows what what two wins can do. You know, we're now we're now four wins from seven. Um, only Exeter, Northampton, and Saracens have more wins than us um, in the Premiership this season. Um, and we're on you know we're on seventeen points and, and sitting in fifth. And had it been for for a couple more bonus points, we could um, you know we could be sitting in in pretty in third place. Going into going into the new decade, so um, it shows how quickly it can turn around. And as you say, these results are crucial. The difference between one point and four points at this stage of the season can can define how how you ultimately end up. And I think we will look back on um, on on these couple of games and hopefully the the Gloucester game on Saturday as a crucial period in in um, in in what was a was a successful season. Hopefully, yeah. Fingers crossed for that, Tom. Um, any other points you want to make from this game? Any other individual performances? I'll start with 
one, and then maybe you can yep. you can you can give your final thoughts. And and I thought Anthony Watson uh, was absolutely outstanding. You kind of mentioned his name briefly. Uh, he, he's a favourite of ours on on the podcast. Um, congratulations on your engagement as well, Anthony. I know you're a keen listener. Um, <laughs> But I thought he was fantastic. Again, he's growing into in back into this Bath shirt on the wing because he can't get Tom Homer out of the fullback shirt. Um, but he was fantastic, and uh, a couple of nice runs. He's coming off his wing wing really effectively. But the moment that stands out is that moment of quality when from the from the the free kick which Priestland put a Gary Owen up to, to to spring into life and catch that ball, and then the awareness to grab it through for Taulupe Falatao, who almost. You know, got on the end of it himself, forcing Sale back into Coffin Corner. That was a, one of the, 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 the highest moments of quality in the game. And it's so great to have Anthony back playing in a Bath shirt now on a more consistent basis than, 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 than really in, in the last few years. And, and I thought he was outstanding again. And he, he, he's, he, yeah, he's, he's quality. Yeah, and he's played so much rugby in, in the last couple of years. And you know, he's been rehabbing. He must be you know, mentally and physically exhausted. But he's spoken in, 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 in the last week or so about just his desire to sort of repay the club for all the faith they've, they've, you know, that the, the Bath have shown in him, you know, rehabbing his, um, his Achilles injury last season, sticking with him when he's been away um, with England. And, and, you know, ultimately we're starting to, to see him repay that on the pitch now because, as you say, he is absolutely electric. And I think, um, yeah, I really like him on the wing. Um, as I've said to you before, G, I think he can come off the wing. He can, um, he can, he can get, um, uh, he, can, he can involve himself in moments in attack um, uh, much more easily, in, in my view, and I think with Tom Homer, um, a natural fullback, and playing so well there, I think you know it's a it's a dangerous combination going forward. So I'll just, I'll just before we move on, I'll just pick out a couple of mm, a couple please. of uh, points that I had I had jotted down. So I thought um, another big improvement was um, the aerial battle. Um, we spoke about the aerial battle in the lineup, but also um, kicking Tom Homer um, with a couple of early. Uh, early gathers sort of uh, coming forward and, and taking those in the air. Tom Ellis as well, um, with a couple of really good takes, um, uh, sort of charging forward off off uh, off Reece Priestland uh, kicks. And Rocco Daguni, who I think you know that's an area of his game where he has struggled in the past, but um, I think after he was potentially targeted in that area by London Irish, I think um, he probably was practicing that a little bit this week, and we definitely saw sort of improvement from from him in that. So. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think that was that was good to see. And then the the next point, and I you know don't propose to discuss this now, but um, I do do would just mention kind of the quality of the the playing field again. Um, I think in a um, you know in a week where we saw um, absolutely immaculate pitches um, uh, across the country, really, I'm thinking of the of the game at Ashton Gate where the pitch was um, what looked absolutely incredible, and they had sort of that light show on before, and then you contrast that to um, you know the much more traditional rugby field at the Rec, and um, you know it, it does slow the game down, it does make it more difficult for um, for particular the, the, the forward guys because the ground just cuts up so easily, and the you know the in goal area in particular is essentially a bit of a a bit of a mud bath. So um, I know it is obviously really difficult being pretty much right next to a, a major river. Um, and I also <laughs> also understand that, you know, obviously with the stadium for Bath, whenever that does happen, um, sort of the playing field will be raised sort of two or three metres. Um, so uh, hopefully that will um, provide a bit of respite to the to the ground staff because it, it certainly sounds like a, a terrible job. But hopefully, um, as I say, 
with us done sure a bit of promising attack we'll um we'll, we'll, we'll get that sorted um coming out coming out of winter G. yeah fingers crossed and and the last point from me you know jamie you're not going to con wayne pivak into thinking you're you're 23 again with a haircut <laughs> and and beard shave he does look a lot younger but unfortunately jamie you're still at the back end of your career um but you're playing really well actually and yeah, i think yeah, he's yeah. actually having a really good 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 season um, finally then, Tom, let's, we've spoken about the, the, the league ramifications on the back of that um, win. We've also spoken briefly about another win for, for Bath United. That's back-to-back wins. We failed to mention that last week, but, but they're starting to, to build a little bit of momentum. So just finally then, let, let's look at the upcoming game uh, at King's Home against Gloucester, Tom. A, a key game at the top of the table, I'm really <laughs> glad to be saying. Um, what 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 threats do, do Gloucester pose? Do you think, and what 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 areas can we look to exploit on on Saturday? Gloucester are an interesting one, really, because they've you know they've shown pretty mixed form so far um, this season. You know they they lost to to Saints last week. They lost to Saracens at home. Um, they've really really struggled in Europe. Uh, as have Bath. They lost those first two games to to Toulouse and to Montpellier, really to end. Uh, their European European chances. So they've been they've been pretty inconsistent. But the one kind of common theme um, throughout most of those games is they've never they've never failed to score a couple of a couple of mm. tries. And, you know, looking at the the Premiership table now, they have three try bonus points already from their seven games, which is joint top with with Northampton Saints. They're also the second most um, uh, prolific uh, try scoring team um, in the league so far. I think they've got seventeen or eighteen. Uh, tries already um, and Bath are sort of right down the bottom of that you know one uh, try bonus point against London Irish six tries um, in that game um, and then only seven tries in the remaining six games so um, you know it's an area we've really struggled in against Sale we only need to score those 16 points to to get the win but as you alluded to earlier I think you know it's going to be very difficult to to stop Gloucester scoring a couple of tries with the with the firepower that that, that they've got you know Cipriani um, pulling the strings, obviously, is a very, very experienced guy, but also some some absolute dynamite out wide in in Lewis Reese Samet, who has has burst onto the scene and, and at 18 looks um, looks a, a real prospect for Wales or England. Um, uh, so, so yeah, it's it's, it's going to be an interesting one. I think um, playing away at, at King's Home as well, they're going to be they're going to be well up for it. So I think if we've got <laughs> we've got any chance, they um, well. Uh, if we've got any chance, I think you know we're going to have to score two or three, two or three tries at least, year, which we haven't shown much signs of doing, um, in, in, in you know in recent games. I thought you said when we had this discussion about this very game last season, Tom, that that the derby day has absolutely no no factor in the players' performance. Well, you know, I think <laughs> I think you know those South Africans have always dreamt of playing against Bath at King's Home in in the New Year game. Um, no, I don't know. You know, it's a, we we looked going actually, G, and it's a, it's a sellout as you'd probably expect. So the shed will certainly be be rowdy to to say the least. And I think it's going to be important, um, as we said before, to to start well on the road. Um, and and if we aren't able to do that, it, it could be a difficult one. But I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm risking me talking the hard time. I am I'm I'm feeling quite quite optimistic about this one I'm, I'm, we're starting to to make real progress I think in terms of our in terms of our attacking play um, 
Gloucester, I think, or Northampton, sorry, I think, showed the blueprint about how you um, how you give yourself a, a chance against Gloucester. You need parity um, at least with that massive um, forward pack, which is primarily really South African, um, as is the case with with Sale. So you'd hope we, we you know kind of had some some practice there, <laughs> um, because if you let Cipriano etc. get on the front foot and and have real dominance in that area. Um, they're a very, very difficult to, team to beat and, and they've shown that this season. Yeah, I think you're right that, that our lack of tri-bonus points um, this this season in the Premiership and, and in Europe it is a glaring sort of problem. We, we've won four games yet, yet us behind teams that have only won three games due to our lack of bonus points and that's something we really need to improve on and we're probably going to need to get near, a, <coughs> excuse me, near enough a tri-bonus point on Saturday to, to beat a team like Gloucester who will undoubtedly score tries. But I think we've also got to try and limit them uh, in their attacking prowess. And I think whilst when we played Sale, stopping Fafter Clerk was the key. And I think we did an okay job of that. Tom Dunn in particular, I thought was outstanding in that area. But um, on this occasion, I think it's all about stopping Cipriani. Uh, he's the, the, the guy that pulls the strings. He's probably not having as good a season as he has in the past couple of seasons. So if we can get to him, we can stop the supply line out to guys like Reece Samit, Thorley, Sharples, and maybe big old Matt Banahan. Well, I was going to say, with, to with Sharples limping off uh, against Northampton, it might be uh, it might be Matt Banahan, um, a, a, you know, Bath legend. Um, hopefully he throws a couple of interceptions early early doors and we can, uh, we can get a head G. Yeah, fingers crossed for that. That just about wraps up. We a quick prediction? Yeah, go on then. I'm, I'm going to go, I, I think we've got a chance here, as I said. Um, I think we're building some momentum. And I think if we can get this win, it's, um, we start to become serious uh, contenders. Equally, I can see it going um, com- completely uh, balls up, to be honest. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, put my neck on the line. I, I fancy this one. I don't know why. It's just a, a bit of a hunch. So um, I think I'm going to go Bath by, by four, just edging it. Um, and, and what a result that would be. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I'll join you in predicting a Bath win because, you know, it, people are making New Year's resolutions, but um, I'm not going to change anything about my Bath predictions uh, going into the New Year. And a Bath win by eight, uh, denying Gloucester anything, would be the perfect late Christmas present from the blue, black and white. That just about does it for this podcast. Um, Sorry that it's been a little bit uh, stop-start over the Christmas period. We've not been there every Tuesday morning as we are throughout the season. But going forward now, we'll be back to our usual schedule. So every Tuesday morning, as I say, in your ears, talking all things blue, black and white. So thanks for sticking th- sticking with us. Get in touch with us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Help us out wherever you can by sharing it with your mates. Um, and and reviewing it uh, and subscribing and doing all those great things that all the other podcasts you listen to tell you do. But if you can do it for us, then we really would appreciate it. Thanks again for listening and stick behind the boys in blue, black and white through thick and thin.